0: Welcome into another week in the Family Room. This is Craig Wiesmeyer, and I'm here with my co-host, John Gordon and Mari Cleveland. The Family Room is all about marriage and families, and actually our show today is going to be specifically about marriages, and we've got uh, a lovely couple in studio today, Patrick and Sarah Metz. So before we dive down and bring them into the, into the, uh, the Family Room, Mr. Gordon, would you mind opening us with one of your awesome prayers?
1: I would be glad to. Uh, Let's begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, each time we come before you, we have a sense, an overwhelming sense of gratitude for your providence and for the the outpouring of your Holy Spirit and all the things that we do, the difficult things and, and, and the easy things. This morning, Father, we just ask you to be with us as we spend this time. We understand from you that marriage is probably the most accurate reflection that we have of your blessed Trinity here in this world. And in in that powerful sacrament, you give us the grace and the strength we need to really act and think and behave as you do. This morning, as we spend this time together, we ask you just to pour out your Holy Spirit on us that we might understand what it is you would have us understand, hear what it is you'd have us hear, and live the way you would have us live so that in all things we give glory and honor to you. Father, we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Father, and Son, and
2: the Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, John. Um, so listeners, as you just heard, we have Patrick and Sarah Metz with us today. Some of you who are very, very... Uh, diligent and faithful um, Quest listeners may have heard Patrick and Sarah on our pledge drive a few weeks ago. And they were so great. And they had so much to share about marriage and um, great ideas for marriages, great resources and support for marriages. As they were interviewed by uh, Maria Forbes that we thought, oh, we're going to steal them and bring them into the family room as well actually, it was kind of funny. You guys probably heard about us before you met us because Dave during that show kept going, and we have a show called The Family Room. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> So he was kind of priming the pump there, which we really appreciate. And um, so we are glad to have you. So I know there's some things that Maria asked that we might ask similar as well. Um, but we'd also like to, like to dive a little deeper into a few, few things as well, because I know we were busy raising money on that last show. Not that you guys can't give money. If you want to give money, you can give us, still give us money to this volunteer-operated station. But so, uh, Patrick and Sarah, so just a little bit of information for our listeners about you all before we uh, we get you to start speaking as well. But first of all, I should just say welcome. We're glad to have you. Thank you. Thank you. We're excited to be here. That's great. So um, Patrick um, is a licensed professional counselor, and you have a master's in marriage and family studies from the John Paul II Institute Mm -hmm. in Valencia, Spain. Um, Patrick also currently works as the associate director of the office of evangelization and discipleship, um, in the archdiocese of Atlanta. And he also helps at the tribunal with our, with our dear friend and, and sometimes guest as Roger. well, father Daniel Ketter. Um, and he works, so Patrick works, works as an expert witness for some of the annulment cases that need a psychological evaluation. So you've got to really interesting and unique Mm -hmm. um, perspective on marriages that we'll go into as well. Um, Also the other thing that we really want to talk more about is Patrick has created an online marriage resource called RestoreCatholicMarriage.com and we'll make sure to get that in our show notes as well and it's for couples seeking to grow and strengthen and heal their relationship. Um, Sarah, you also are a trained counselor um, and you do the most important job of all because you homeschool your two sons um, who are 13 and Nine and you also were a writer, so not only writing articles for the Catholic Exchange and the Catholic News Agency, but you have also finished your first um, historical fiction novel. That's awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite forms of, genres of... of oh, uh, that's great. Yes, of literature, so that's great. And you guys have been married for 15 years this June, so that's congratulations. Right. Thank, Thank you. you. Now that you guys have heard about Patrick and Sarah, um, once again, welcome to the family room. And one of the things that we always start with is we ask our um, guests about their faith journey because especially as catholics i think sometimes we're not used to sharing our faith journey mm-hmm. and i think it's always great for um us to be able to hear each other's faith journeys because mm-hmm. it gives us hope it gives us inspiration and and we can also learn to practice saying our own a little better i think so um so whoever would like to start we'd love to hear okay ladies <laughs> first yes so sarah we'd love to hear a little bit about your faith journey
3: okay so when i was little my dad really was the one who taught me my faith um We, you know, learned our Bible stories from him. We learned our prayers from him and we, we prayed the rosary together as a family. Um, I think that he had had kind of a deepening of his faith before I was born. Mm. Um, but ever since I've known my dad, he's been a great example to me. He's, um, he goes to mass every day. Um, he's just been a great example and a big inspiration for me and my faith. Um, so growing up, you know, I always had a great relationship with God the Father, and then as a teenager, I think I struggled a little bit to make the faith my own. But then going to Franciscan University, where Patrick and I met, that was a big help to me, just in making friendships where I was getting to know other women who were trying to live, you know, good Christian lives, um, and just having the the Franciscan friars there um, with access to the sacraments really strengthened my faith a lot. After I graduated from college, I got really sick. Um, I had ulcerative colitis for a few yeah. years. I was in the hospital a lot, um, and and that was actually probably the part in my life where I, I had the biggest renewal of my faith because I had to just learn to depend on God so mm-hmm. much for everything during that time. Um, and so before we got married, I felt like I had I had a pretty strong faith, especially after that experience with a, a chronic illness. Um, I felt like going into marriage, I had a really good, solid foundation of my faith. I don't know if you want to share, Patrick, about your faith <laughs> going Well, it's hard to to going come up. after
4: that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I always struggle with sharing my faith journey because I always I just have a very normal or uh, not very exciting faith we journey. Like that's, not, <laughs> that's not we true. true. But that was a cradle crap. I was a uh, cradle Catholic and um, just always remember enjoying church, loving going to mass, uh, loving serving at mass you know i always would get the tug on my uh, sleeve after serving mass from the old ladies saying oh you're going to be a good priest one day <laughs> you know it, um, but you know never really made my faith my own until later on in life i had the opportunity to go to some studentville conferences in high school mm-hmm. that made a big on, impact on me because i was able to see so many other young people my age just mm-hmm. really on fire for their faith Um, and then there was one, one school I applied to my senior year and that was Franciscan. Um, just because I really wanted that environment of surrounding myself with good, good people who are on the same track and pointed towards the same thing. Um, had the opportunity as a, my, my junior, senior year in high school as well to, uh, go over to Europe and, uh, on a pilgrimage and, was just profoundly impacted by the universality of the church, Mm. right? And just to realize that our faith is so much bigger than little St. Peter's Parish in small-town Michigan, you know, and really made a large impact on me. But being at Franciscan, surrounded, as Sarah said, surrounded by so many great people, uh, just really that positive peer influence to grow in your faith was really, really significant. And then, you know, just... I have to say, for the last fifteen years of our marriage together, Sarah has just really made a profound impact on my faith journey too. Just seeing her witness and her dedication to prayer has really um, been a blessing for me as well. So,
2: ah, oh, that's beautiful.
0: Well, since you started to walk down that marriage aisle, why don't we continue to walk down that aisle a little bit and talk about your journey into marriage? I mean, obviously, you were in Steubenville together, mm-hmm. but you know, talk about that journey. Talk about your expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, each one of you individually don't look at each other and mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> make sure that everybody knows you are the exact same. And then, what maybe surprised you? You know, because okay. we get married and all of a sudden you're like, "Well, I didn't know you were like that." So, yeah. mm-hmm. whoever wants to start.
2: Well, I didn't know marriage was going to turn out like yes, this. Yes, definitely, right. yeah.
3: definitely. Yeah. Um, well, you know, when I met Patrick, I noticed right away that he had a lot of qualities that I was looking for in a husband. Um, you know, he was kind, patient. Um, responsible, and I, his faith was really important to him.
0: And he's good looking, so, <laughs> <laughs> he
3: <is> good looking.
5: <laughs> so, so that was a plus. That, but what yeah,
3: okay.
2: <laughs> but, but I, but I love, just even hearing you go, what what I was looking for, like you already had an idea of what you wanted I in a husband, an idea. Yeah. and I had prayed a lot about it because
3: I felt like you know, um, well, my parents had separated when I was younger, and mm-hmm. so I was I wanted to be really intentional about, yeah, you know, finding somebody who had a lot, a lot of things in common with me. And, um, I was sort of looking for certain qualities. Yeah.
2: That's important.
3: Um, and so his, I knew his faith was important to him and we did share a lot of things in common. Um, but even with, with all of that, I was surprised by how difficult things were when we first got married. (laughs) Um, we lived in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming when we first got married because of a job that Patrick had. And, you know, we weren't with family and friends. We didn't really have a lot of support. So it was kind of like me and Patrick and (laughs) against the wilderness. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And there's really more truth to that than you really will have to hear that story. We're going to have to hear the wilderness. story. So, um, in a way it was a blessing. God put us together and we had to really work things out. Um, But I was surprised just with the natural differences between men and women and also Mm. between two people with different personalities, like how difficult it was to kind of integrate those two personalities and to create a life together. Um, Like I said, you know, my parents separated when I was young. I didn't really see marriage um, lived out, Mm. you know, in in. On a daily basis. And so I think that was part of another another part that I was kind of struggling with was um, okay, so how is this gonna work? Yeah. And I felt like it was difficult and I felt like there were a lot of surprises, but you know, but with God's grace, you know, we were able to go through those first few years and um a a big help was our shared faith and also the fact that we, we had a very strong friendship with each other.
0: Mm, that's great. Now Patrick, don't keep looking at her, it's your sure. turn. Yeah. So <laughs> You know, we
4: met originally in undergraduate, um, and I can still recall the first day I met or saw Sarah because she walked in late to history class, and you I
3: always bring that up.
4: <laughs> but I just remember because it's it's burned in my mind. Just thinking, wow, that's the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. But of course, I didn't talk to her for six years. Cause... <laughs> Because she she was well out of my league in my thinking, and so it, t- it took you know a number of years. We both actually came back to graduate school there at Franciscan, t- where we studied counseling. And so by that time, I had matured and grown up and grown in some confidence, I think. So and learned
2: to talk to girls exactly. exactly.
4: <laughs> so we began uh, dating at that time. But you know, as Sarah mentioned, you know we we had gone through all these counseling classes. We had. Theoretically, known a lot about marriage, and so maybe even too much because going into marriage, I was nervous. Right, like oh, you hear about all the Mm. difficult things that happen in marriage, Um, but certainly something that surprised me right out of the door was, I remember Sarah and I were in a we can call it a disagreement, but (laughs) probably more of an argument (laughs) at the time, and it was I think it was something that she was mentioning about me that. It would be nice if I changed. And I remember thinking, Sarah should just love me for who I am, right? (laughs) I mean, why is she asking me to change? Isn't unconditional love supposed to do this? And uh, I must have mentioned it to Sarah because she brought up something she had read from uh, Dietrich von Hildebrand, which really struck me. And he said, the importance in marriage is really an openness and willingness to change. Mm. right? And I realized very much so that I was pushing the need for change to Sarah. Right. It's uh, not me that needs a change, it's you that need to change your thinking about me, right? Uh, You're not the only
0: one, brother. Yeah. Uh,
4: Trust me. <laughs> and so early on that was that was impactful for me and um I've tried to live with that in my mind. Like just that openness and readiness to change. Obviously I fail daily at that, but I try to, to strive for that ideal yeah. in our marriage. Um but it's something that that was an expectation going in, but mm-hmm. soon got <laughs> Uh, Dismantled, I would say. (laughs)
2: You know, one of the things I love about that story, too, is that, Sarah, you continued to learn about marriage, right? So you were reading, and you weren't just saying, hey, no, you need to change. You weren't mm-hmm. fighting back that way. You were saying, here's something that, well, maybe you fought a maybe little bit. Maybe a little right? bit. <laughs> <laughs> but you're saying,
1: fighting with weapons. Yeah, yeah. She, just, she just had the right she had, far, I was
2: using it against him. No. Instead of throwing the book at him, she was opening that's it right. and saying, see right it. here, right? Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's pretty cool. But then the other piece of this is you had the humility to be able to hear Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. that's that's beautiful yeah that's great
1: so pat uh speaking as one of the three men in the room congratulations i think we all married up good Good. (laughs) (laughs) so i have to ask this question you guys are both trained family counselors and you gave us just a little peek of what it might be like in the conversation where you busted out the dietrich von hildebrand in a discussion You rock, woman. Go for it. But um, I I do have a serious question. Like, I can imagine, like, I have in my mind what it could be like for two trained family counselors to be engaged in robust discussion. <laughs> but honestly, what does that really feel like? What does that sound like when Patrick and Sarah Metz are working together on their marriage?
3: Yeah, I don't think it's very different. I really don't. Like, when we were talking about this... Um, earlier today i i told patrick that we might know the things that we're doing and know that we really shouldn't be going down this road you know we are acting we're reacting in defensiveness i'm maybe i'm expecting patrick to mind read and know what my needs are without communicating them so i know what i'm doing i know what it's called but <laughs> the temptations are all still there and we do mm-hmm. all of the same things that every every couple does so <laughs> that's why. So you can label it and you can, you can label it. it and you know you know i know this is defensive and i shouldn't be doing this but it still comes out but
1: it feels so good <laughs> <laughs>
3: what do yeah, you think I,
4: I agree completely with that i mean what we try to do in counseling, first and foremost, is education. There's a lot of psychoeducation that goes into it. So, I mean, hopefully, Sarah and I have a little bit of a head start on that, but it certainly doesn't make it any easier, right? We still have a lot of work to do in the principles and the practicals and applying things, because that's where it really matters. Yeah, that's really where the comes work is, and that's it.
3: that's going to be hard for anybody, whether right. you have the background or not. I, think. I feel better.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so listeners if you were just joining us you are here in the family room and we are with Patrick and Sarah Metz. Okay so both of you have um obviously counseling background. And Patrick we said you work at the Archdiocese and one of the ministries there that I don't know that a lot of our listeners maybe have heard of that you're affiliated with as well as the Pastoral Care Ministry. Um can you tell us a little bit more about the Pastoral Care Ministry and what kind of things that, that ministry offers?
4: Sure, that's a great question, because often we scratch our head with that term, and there's a lot of terms in the church that really don't uh, make intuitive sense, but pastoral care is really the response of the church to address the needs of the the flock, right? The hurting, the wounded among us, which really applies to all of us, mm-hmm. right? We all need pastoral care in different ways. So practically, that means you know grief, bereavement support, divorce care, miscarriage support, domestic violence, healing after abortion, you know same-sex attraction support, addiction support wow. like there's a lot that goes into that, right a pornography addiction, um, really uh, looking to respond to those needs and those daily struggles that people find them in themselves in. Um, and you might think that's interesting that that would go into an office named evangelization and discipleship right, right. Um, but really and if, if you think about it, uh, and Pope Francis talks about this, is really we're called to heal the wounds, mm-hmm. right, and warm the hearts, to borrow two phrases from him, because oftentimes these hurts and these wounds become barriers to evangelization, right? Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. they prevent us from experiencing God's love, they uh, from experiencing and opening our hearts to, to faith. Yeah. And so really addressing those wounds, walking with people in those wounds, healing those wounds can really be helpful in the process of evangelization
2: so so practically how does that work because i know if you think about a lot of the topics you just mentioned people Mm -hmm. might go to their priest and just want to talk to their priest about it Mm -hmm. or some churches might have Stephen ministers a Stephen ministry program or they Mm -hmm. might even have spiritual directors who are there in their parish but this is at an archdiocesan level so how practically how does that work
4: right that's a great question so we try to provide resources to the parish leaders okay right so they can then in turn go in and and you know, share those with their their parishioners. So that involves a lot of training, a lot of vetting of resources, because we get a lot of resources that come across our desk that we try to really find the best of the best and then you know recommend those to parishes for them to use and to adopt. Also really helping parishes and assessing what they're able to do, mm. because a lot of times there might be a goal to maybe, let's say, we want a weekly bereavement group. Mm -hmm. Okay. But maybe we have a staff of one person or two people and that's not realistic. So let's start off small and do something small very well before we jump into a full fledged group. So really helping them to assess what they have, what what they're capable of doing at the moment, and then having a sustainable ministry there or a care ministry there.
2: Okay. That's great. So you're meeting each parish where they are and then helping them build based on the needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Very kind of cool. getting
0: grassroots i like that oh, yeah a uh, comment before i ask a question uh, it was interesting when you talked about having the knowledge of your training mm-hmm. and you're married i mean that is such a parallel to our own faith mm-hmm. a lot of us know a lot of things about the faith mm-hmm. but when it comes to living it out it's like yeah i know i'm supposed to not do this or that i had spiritual direction yesterday i want to tell you what the priest told me after i left but he rephrased to say, "Be more like Jesus. Be more like Christ." Hmm. He said something very different beforehand. I'll tell you after <laughs> when we're not on air. But it is. It's like you know, we know so much, but mm-hmm. we have to surrender to each other. We have to surrender to the truth. So that's just me. One of my tangents, So, Mari. I covered my tangent for the for the time.
2: <laughs> I love your tangents.
0: But you know, you know, I think Patrick. Then, since you've got the background in counseling as well, and you're trained in it, you're also on the tribunal. That's great. Which I believe addresses um, vetting through people that look, want to get, div- div- not a divorce, but annulments, mm-hmm. and finding the validity of those. Is that what the tribunal's right. the, job ultimately, is?
4: Ultimately, that's up to the judge, and so as as the psychological witness or expert witness, it's my job just to weigh on the psychological aspects of the marriage. Okay, so, okay, really, so what you've seen. So really, if there was a maybe a, a lack of capacity psychological capacity present there um, then to weigh in on that
0: okay so. so that's your expertise but a lot of times we learn as much from uh, seeing others mistakes mm-hmm. as we do from our mm-hmm. own positive uh, influences what have you learned about marriage and about maybe dealing with your own marriage from those experiences with the tribunal
4: yeah I mean just in my work as a counselor and in the tribunal I mean, it's very humbling to walk with so many people in these moments of difficulty and crisis and hurt, especially in the tribunal. Um, but just really witnessed how much we're products of our own environments, really, and how much of our past and our, you know, our own family life we bring into our marriages. Uh, how much that impacts our our daily life in our marriages, and also how much early intervention is really worth, because so often times I hear time and time again with couples that I'm working with in counseling, but also in the tribunal, that there was really, perhaps a lack of support there initially, or a lack of reaching out for help or support, and then things just compound and pile up and pile up and pile up. Um, You know, my hope and my dream is always that couples will really seek help early on. You know, without their marriage going into crisis, or as a last-ditch effort before, you know, sure. calling it quits or whatever it is, uh, so that they would really reach out and find that support that's needed. It'd, it'd be nice if we kind of—I know we, in our promises or our vows in marriage—that we, you know, promise to be faithful. We promise to, you know, raise our children Catholic, to be true to each other in good times and bad, sickness and health. I wish we would promise to you know, seek yeah, marriage counseling yearly or something. You don't know, have, <laughs> yeah. have like a reach, marriage out. Weekend. reach out when, when you right. feel like
3: you really do need some. Right. Help. Because right. it's so
4: essential for so many marriages, you know, just to have that support there. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So you're talking about um, d- different things, different tools, different things that you've seen in, in, in marriages. What are some tools uh, that couples can use? You shared one that I think is important if you're, if, If you feel stress or or difficulties, you know, reach out and get some help. But what are some other practical things that that you could share for couples to use to support their marriages and protect their marriages?
3: Uh, Some things that we've talked about is and that have helped us in our own marriage is having a good friend or a good spiritual director who you can confide in, but who also is supportive of the marriage, mm. who isn't just gonna take your side um, or be divisive between you and your spouse, but who's really gonna support the marriage mm. when you you are having a difficult time.
2: You know, it's interesting you say that. I have a friend one time who said, I like to talk to you about my marriage because I know that you're not gonna bash my husband mm-hmm. when I come to you and I'm bashing him. I know that you're going to so stand up for him. And so, because you're for our marriage and you're yes. for us, you're not just on my side, yeah. That's yeah. beautiful.
3: Yeah. But you do you do, I think, need a friend like that or a spiritual director who is who is in favor of and supporting the marriage. Itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, another another thing that's been helpful for us is having personal prayer time and prayer time as a couple every day. Mm. Um, you know, God really is there for, for to help us. He's for us. He's for our marriage. He wants to give us the graces that we need, especially when we are having difficulties when we are having a period of time where we're arguing a lot or we are having more conflict. He wants to give us peace and the main way that we get that besides the sacraments is through prayer time, Mm -hmm. prayer and, and time spent with him. And also just taking time to have fun together, I think is really important. Um, I know that there are so many different stages of marriage, you know, some stages that Patrick and I have not have not arrived at yet. (laughs) Um, But I do think it's important, just especially if you have children and you have stress from your job and other obligations that you have just to take time to do something that you enjoy together and kind of maintain like a little bit of of that fun that you enjoyed in dating just throughout a the bit marriage.
0: Of it, just, just a little bit of it.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> at, least, at least a little bit, <laughs> exactly. even if you're busy. So those are my ideas. Patrick, do you have anything to add to that?
4: Yeah, I have a lot that I could say. One one thing that I would mention right off the bat and just picking up from where Sarah left off in the importance of prayer. And one thing that we've tried to do, and Sarah brought this into our marriage early on, was the examine prayer and mm. St. Ignatius of Loyola and his... Um, his, his his examined prayer and so we try to do that on a nightly basis but what i've found is that it's really helpful in the marriage to have a a humble heart right? <laughs> because if we're daily looking at our actions and maybe our lack of charity towards our spouse our family members and keeping that at the forefront of our mind then we can really approach difficulties and challenges and arguments in our relationship with a sense of humility so
2: That's a great place to camp for just a minute. So listeners, please stay tuned and join us back here in the family room in just a few minutes where we're talking with Patrick and Sarah Metz.
0: We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on the Quest.
5: St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com
0: we're back in the family room sponsored by verse bright right here on am 1160 the quest
2: we are here with patrick and sarah metz we've been talking about marriage and we ended actually i do have to say personally on my very favorite quality it's my favorite leadership quality but it's also my favorite quality in marriage and that's humility and it's a quality that my husband has in full and he's slowly helping me learn some. I can't say he's, re- I have it yet after 25 years of marriage, but it is, I did say I'm sorry first. Last week, wasn't that impressive? That's us? great. Mm. Yeah, I know. I know. See, see. Obviously, I'm not humble because then I just brag. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, okay. So before we go back into some of these practical tools and things for couples to both sustain, protect, and then also grow their marriages, we always ask all of our guests in the family room about their favorite family room memory. And so this can be for each of you growing up a family a favorite family room memory or, and, or, if you want to go on more about it, um, it can be your favorite family memory as a couple.
0: From Wyoming, out in the wilderness. Yes, yeah. yeah. okay.
2: exactly. Oh, wait, maybe it's the time for the wilderness story. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long one. I don't know if we have enough
3: time. Um, but one of my favorite memories as a kid was when my dad would read to us at night, and he wrote, read to me all the Bible stories. You know, we had, like... It's it's such an old book, and we still have it for our boys, but it's like the classic. Yeah. It's got like a yellow cover, like Catholic Bible stories. Um, and I just always love to, to hear those stories, and I still love the stories of David um, and so many of the stories in the Bible have stuck with me from Mm -hmm. that time when my dad would read to us at night. Um, We also, like I said, we prayed the rosary. That wasn't something that I really enjoyed as a kid, (laughs) but looking back, I do see the value of it, and I appreciate my dad's consistency with that. Um, Probably won me a lot of graces from Our Lady, and um, it is something that we still try to do with the boys, and I also continue to love to read to, to my sons. That's great.
4: Yeah, one thing I would say probably currently in our own family and relationship is I, we, since the boys were young, we've always pushed all the furniture to the side of the rug in the family room. And me and the boys have a big wrestling match. So <laughs> <Yes>. that's probably <laughs> one of my favorite things to do. Um, you know, now with a 13-year-old and a 9-year-old, things are getting a little more intense, but it, uh, I can still...
2: It's a little harder for you. Yeah, I
4: can still hold yeah. my own.
3: So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll revisit Wait. this in about six months. In a couple of years.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wait till they get to be 19 and 245 oh, gosh. pounds. My yeah. yeah. days
5: are limited,
4: I know. Yeah, that. No,
0: for sure. I, I, don't, I don't mess around with that at all. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I do want to hear the wilderness story. Man, we have to do that off air because that sounds very intriguing. Mm-hmm. But um, since we're going to stay online with being very practical, I know, uh, Patrick, you were talking about some of the practicalities before break of, um, you know, couples protect, sustain your marriage. You know, what are some additional tools to grow your marriage? Because, um, you know, you got people like, well, John's an empty nester. Mari is, I say becoming because her daughter's back and forth. I'm becoming mm-hmm. an empty nester. And uh, with that, you know, what do they need to grow in their marriages? Because I know sometimes you can look at each other and like, who the heck are you? I haven't seen you for 22 years. Have any practical wisdom
4: yeah absolutely. I want to pick up one other thing real quick to to strengthen marriage is and sustain marriage is really another virtue and the virtue of patience. I think so often when we're in difficulty and crises there's this tendency to want to just move quickly and get away from the pain and the hurt right mm-hmm. but really, we need patience in our relationship because not very often does one does do things move from one stable spot to a different stable spot. There's always a time of uncertainty of crisis or ups and downs. And so that's going to be the same with marriage is where there's a, there's a recognition of problems. There's a breaking down of the bad habits, the bad behaviors, and then there's a building up and, you know, we're in the time of Lent right now, and I was reflecting. We're reading a lot from Exodus and the people of Israel, mm-hmm. and I was reflecting on it, and it really struck me how, you know, God could have moved the people of Israel straight from slavery into the promised land, but that's not what happened, right? They wandered in the desert for 40 years, and they encountered encountered burial uh, barriers and struggles and um, snakes right, that were biting them. <laughs> I mean, so every possible thing. They even relapsed, right? They that's even hard. went back to pagan worship. And so it's it's something that we have to realize that this is going to be a process for us in our relationships as well, of a process of change and growth, and that's going to take time. And we should really strive to have patience with one another and with our relationships. Mm. But, you know, that's really a great question about empty nesters and how to keep your relationship growing um, I know one thing that I'm trying to do right now in my restore program is, you know, I offer a um, marriage builder course, which uses an online marriage assessment to really assess the marriage in different areas in eight core different areas. And then it equips the couple with that information, like what are our strength areas, but what also are our growth areas? So, you know. I go through six weeks with the couple, kind of talking through those different strength and growth areas. But one thing that I would also mention is, you know, if you find yourself in this spot of, you know, scratching your head thinking, who is this person? Right. After 20 (laughs) years of marriage, you know, and our, um, you know, why are we encountering all these difficulties? It's no wonder that they say that marriage is often hit times of difficulty around seven years and then again around 20 years Mm -hmm. Um, and so that falls right into that time of you know empty nesters or um, possible teenage years too Mm -hmm. Um, but to really look at the different areas of intimacy in your relationship and to really assess those areas of intimacy in your relationship so think about number one spiritual intimacy like what are we doing personally first in my relationship with God, and how am I growing in my spiritual intimacy with God? And then turning to our spiritual re- intimacy in our relationship. Like, how are we moving and growing in our spiritual intimacy? And of course, there's intellectual intimacy. Like, how are we engaging ourselves and growing in this area together in intellectual intimacy? You know, are we supporting one another in our dreams and our goals? You know, are we? Do we have, you know, areas of interest that we can talk about and discuss or maybe finding those new hobbies that would be of interest to you. Um of course there's emotional intimacy, recreational intimacy, Sarahs talked a bit about that already just having those um times of fun that you can really engage in uh together, you know, perhaps like I said finding that new hobby, taking up a dance class or something, but <laughs> Really seeking to build intentionally those areas of intimacy in the relationship, right? Because oftentimes we get stuck in the way we've done things, but we need to really reassess and relook at things to try to create yeah. some more opportunity there.
0: Sarah, anything you want to add to that? No, Gotta don't be think something. I think to cover it all. <laughs> Pretty comprehensive. I, yeah, the
2: dance class thing that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the... <laughs> yeah.
0: mari has <laughs> been taking dance classes. I know,
2: but I need to take, bring George along. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that yeah. would be fun. We we actually picked up uh, bridge together. Is oh, the, okay. what we had chosen as our that's new great. empty nester hobby. Good. Yeah, we've got two in college, so that's mm-hmm. why Craig said I'm kind of an empty nester almost because they still full, come home. Because they're still coming yeah. home a little bit. It interestingly enough, though, there, there is actually. Uh, research out, and there's actually a new book out about this too. There's this uh, been this 85 year long um, longitudinal study from Harvard mm. on adult human development, and they there is this this one piece that they talk about, and it's the marital curve of satisfaction. Oh, yeah. And they say that if you look, let's see if I can say this right. Basically, the amount, the increase in the amount of satis- marital satisfaction after the last child leaves the nest. Is directly proportional to how long you're going to live. Wow! Wow! So the increase in marital satisfaction after the last child leaves the nest is proportional to your length of life, and so essentially, essentially, it's it's you got to do exactly what pa- Patrick just said, right? You got to reassess. You've got to put some work into it. Um, because it, it just doesn't happen automatically that mm-hmm. you're gonna be more and more satisfied. You actually mm-hmm. have to work on those things.
0: Yeah, well, you yeah. do it in your job, you do it in yeah, you know, so even your finances, you do it in your physical assessment or whatever, and, and, now it, and you, as Sarah said it earlier too, again, the word intentionality, and mm-hmm. uh, people have listened to this show long enough. We've talked with a lot of people and the mm-hmm. key phrase is intentional. You've got to be mindful, mm-hmm. you gotta put the time in, and you gotta be willing to put the effort in.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, this is probably this is more thought than theology. But uh, Patrick and Sarah, for you guys, as husband and wife, one of the major obligations you have is to make sure that your spouse gets to heaven. And so it's pretty easy to track on the concept or traditional concept of marriage as a path for sanctification. But I'm thinking about just very practical things. Like I read somewhere that like the human being walking upright with every step is teetering on collapse. Like just it's a balancing act and you, and you could fall over, you know, as you just keep taking step after step. But in between those steps, there's this potential for falling. And I'm kind of matching that up to a memory of a movie from the 70s. I think it was Love Story. Do you remember that? And the famous line from that movie was, love means never having to say you're sorry.
0: <laughs> He's looking at Murray and I when he says, Do you remember that?
2: Yeah. Well, I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. And Thank it's you. not true. No.
1: <laughs> and and of course, nothing could be further from the truth. Just like walking, you're gonna, the potential for tripping is high and, and marriage the potential for wounds are high. Um, can you yeah, take a really minute and, and maybe of think about a great share thoughts about marriage um, as a sacrament Because
4: often we think, it. well, we have and, love and, and, and that's all that we need, right? It. I mean, that's another thing that you hear so often.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, was thinking I, I, was heard I was waiting <laughs> for that, yeah. All
4: you need is love. <laughs> but the, the reality soon hits us, right? And when we enter into marriage, and that, that's what they talk about, the disillusionment period of marriage is when we really come to face, Wow. Like, is this what I signed up for? Is this, is this what this is all about? Is this difficulty in this time of purification and growth and healing? Um, and I've talked before and I think it's very interesting. You know, we have different sacraments within the church. We have sacraments of initiation. We have sacraments of healing, you know, typically reconciliation and anointing of the sick. Um, and then sacraments of communion, I think are, um, like marriage and holy orders of, of the communal life. But I really think marriage could be one of those sacraments of healing because when marriages live rightly, it's this opportunity for healing and growth because no other person in your life is going to be able to pinpoint that area of hurt or wound better than your spouse.
2: Oh, so true. Right? Put your finger right on it. Yeah.
4: Right. And so, I mean, we've heard it said, too, probably that we we either transf- uh, transfer our wounds or we are transformed and yeah. we transform them. And yeah. so... That's really the call in marriage is to not then in turn transfer them to our children or to our spouse, mm-hmm. but really be transformed in marriage and be brought to new life um, and brought to healing. I think it's interesting. I heard it also said one time that before x-rays, you know, to find a broken bone in your arm, the doctor would just kind of squeeze your oh arm. Oh, well, there's the break, right? Where you started to yell. And that kind of reminds me of marriage a little bit. <laughs> you know, this, that, That's where you're hurting and... So we really think, you know, when I act out in anger, when Mm -hmm. I act out in impatience, when I, um, you know, have so many faults and failings in my relationship with my spouse, I should turn and ask myself, where's this coming from? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Where is the wound in me that I feel the need to do this or I feel the reaction to do this? Um, and that's where marriage can really become that place of
0: healing. Yeah. Uh, you sat in my spiritual direction yesterday, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> you, got notes, you got notes from the Father. Yeah.
2: Well, and as, as you were talking, what I was thinking about, what I was visualizing, I was visualizing, um, you know, the reading that so many of us had at our weddings, which is, you know the the cord of three strands is not easily mm-hmm. broken, and that third strand is God is the Holy Spirit right mm-hmm. there. And so you've got the Holy Spirit in your marriage, and the Holy Spirit wants to heal mm-hmm. and offer the hope. and um so hopefully you've created this bond and this trust with the other person that they are if you do share your wound, that they are going to be ready to speak words of love and hope into that wound or call in the Holy Spirit or whatever, because sometimes what we see instead is we see, um, my husband and I sometimes have this image we talk about, you know, you want to, you want to round off the the other person's Mm -hmm. sharp corners instead of like making them even sharper. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think we've all seen situations like that before where somebody's like, wow, okay, their, their corners are sharper than they ever were before (laughs) versus, um, softening each other and helping each other grow and in their virtues like you were just mm-hmm. talking about patrick the virtues of humility the virtue of patience the um the virtue of perseverance and um right judgment and all of that yeah it's
4: yeah and it's really no wonder what adam and eve did when they first fell right i mean they covered themselves yeah to protect themselves from the gaze of the other or from being used by the other or being hurt or wounded from the other. Yes. And so often that's what we do in relationships. So what we do in our marriages is that when we are hurt and wounded, we build up walls and barriers to protect ourselves, which ultimately work against us because what we want is intimacy. We want union, but it's really hard to do when we have these walls and barriers in place that keep us from doing that.
2: Right. Only when it's uncovered can the light come in, Mm -hmm. the light of Christ in that. Yeah. So listeners, if you are just tuning in, you are here in the family room with us. And once again, we are with Patrick and Sarah Metz. Um, Patrick, one of the things that you mentioned a little bit, Um, bit ago during our conversation was that you have an online marriage program and it's called restorecatholicmarriage.com. Can you tell more, tell us more about the program? Like how did you conceive of actually coming up with this online program and um, maybe explain a little bit more about the program, what people could expect if they signed up for it and the impact you've seen?
4: Sure. So uh, a few years ago, I, you know, I had been Working in the archdiocese, obviously, I've been there for ten years now, and I often receive calls from from people out in the diocese looking for help and support for their marriages and Granted, there's a lot of great options out there. I can refer to some really great counselors in the area. you know we have retrovi and marriage encounter all in the archdiocese, and those are really great fantastic programs and opportunities for couples. Um, However, I still found that a lot of couples struggle to get the help and support that they need, whether it be for financial reasons, distance to a good Catholic counselor. um, You know, maybe they can't find babysitting and then, you know, pay for counseling on top of that. Mm -hmm. So there's a number of reasons why couples might struggle to get the support they need. And so kind of coming out of this time of COVID and having things, having much more comfortable, being much more comfortable with, consuming digital content, I wanted to provide online resources for couples so that, you know, they could, from the comfort of their own home, get online and find support for their relationship and for their marriage. So, um, you know, with my background and with Sarah's background, we were able to provide a lot of that content and support. Um, And so we were able to put that online and couples can purchase, you know, the program for much less than one counseling session. So we try to keep it very cost affordable affordable, and um to really try to break down those barriers that couples might have to to finding support for their relationship um but some of the things that you know couples will do is you know right now we have two two separate programs available one is just for couples who struggle in general in marriage with disillusionment conflict uh communication difficulties And the other one is uh, for couples who have experienced infidelity in their relationship. So it's a a program for a fair recovery. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have much of that at all really available. And Mm -hmm. so I found I was in conversation with a gentleman who um, sadly experienced this in his own life. And he just really dove into the available options that were out at the time and just consumed and read and just did a ton of research, but sadly found nothing that was specifically Catholic. So together with him, we were able to um, provide this program for, it's like a triage program to really, for couples who, you know, suspect infidelity or have uncovered infidelity or confessed infidelity in their relationship to really um, have those first few steps to really begin to bring healing and stability back in the relationship before Going into the long-term healing, so it's kind of a triage program there.
1: Thank you for that. So here's a question, and you can choose not to answer it, or, or or to answer it. But but I would be, I would love to know. Maybe Sarah from you first, and then Patrick from you. What is one thing that Patrick does that you just really appreciate about uh, about him, or about what it does in your marriage? Is that a fair question?
3: Sure, sure. Patrick is really great about acts of service. Um, I think that he, that's kind of his love language. I don't know if you, you've read the, the yes. book on the love languages, but that's definitely yep. his love language. And he's really good about that. And I think that it was never my love language, but there's, but just being married, I th- feel like you start to appreciate acts of mm-hmm. service a lot more. Yep. Um, so he, he was really hands on, um, with our boys when they were, were, they were babies and he would get up with them at night, you know, do whatever he could to help out. Um, he's great about, you know, just little things around the house. And I've, I've come to appreciate that more and more.
1: Thank you for sharing that, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Same question. Uh Um,
4: no, I think what I really appreciate about Sarah is just her honesty and communication. Right. And early on in our marriage, we kind of discovered this, like if they're is a more avoidant person in the relationship it would be me right? <laughs> so we have we have this joke where in our first house out in Wyoming that if there was a conflict Sarah would kind of be following me around the house as I was walking away
3: <laughs> because Patrick would be kind of moving away from me and I'd be trying yes. to have an argument with him
4: but I've really I've really seriously grown to appreciate that in Sarah because it keeps our relationship very honest right and there's no it's hard to have any sort of duplicity in the relationship where I can say, yeah, everything's great, honey, you know, but things are not real great, you know, but because Sarah will know, Sarah will see right through it. And she really wants things to be very authentic, which is, it's a beautiful thing.
1: I'm really anxious for folks to get out and, and look at the website and check out the online help. But one of the things that we really appreciate about you guys um, is is we're asking questions and you're sharing answers and you've got all this education and we love Sharing awesome people with our listeners, but we also love sharing normal people with our listeners and you guys are duking it out every day as a normal husband and wife would duke it out in a marriage. And we really appreciate your spending the time with us, the information and your authenticity. It's your authenticity, I think, that really shines forth and really makes a difference uh, for us and for our listeners. So thanks for that. Well,
3: that's something that's really important to me. You know, Patrick has started this program and he works for the Archdiocese. And a lot of times he wants me to come and talk with him. But I always am a little hesitant because I would never want someone to think that, we have this perfect marriage or mm-hmm. that I am like really good at being married because it's really hard for me just like it is for everybody. And so um, I always want that to be clear. If we are ever, if I'm ever talking with Patrick, that um, it's just a struggle for us just like it is for anybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that's the beauty of it. You know, yeah. I, we, yeah. my wife and I did a marriage weekend with Dan and Stephanie Burke. And what made it impactful was their authenticity and honesty mm-hmm. about, here's how bad I was in this sector or whatever. Mm-hmm. And by the way, here's the effort we put in and here's what God's willing to do. Cause mm-hmm. it's really all about God. I can put all the effort in I want, mm-hmm. but if God's not involved then I'm not willing to make those changes. So uh, keep going with them, keep having those conversations mm-hmm. and be vulnerable and be authentic and say, we fight, we get into these things. Cause yeah. honestly, I would imagine being counselors could be more of a challenge in marriage mm-hmm. yeah. than not because you can get into counseling mode and it's like, I'm your wife, I'm your husband. Mm-hmm. You are not my counselor. I'm not paying you to do this.
4: Yeah, I think you've probably been listening in on some of our conversations. <laughs> As Sarah has mentioned to me before, Pashik, don't talk to me like one of your clients. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I
3: say that sometimes, because so, I
2: can see he's like yeah, starting I'm to- Yeah, trying to like, hey, I know
4: what to do in this situation. Let's, let's apply this, you know, so. Yeah.
2: Valid point. Some yeah. people throw certain tools, you guys throw mm-hmm. other tools. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty funny. So um, we've just got a few more minutes before we finish up. One thing I did want to just clarify. So the online tool, they actually get to talk to you? Is that that Yeah, right? so
4: there's different multiple ways of going through it. There's like an individual self-study or a, a couple self-study where they can just do it on their own. We encourage mentor couples. So if they found a mentor couple, that would be fantastic. Uh, there's also like a periodic group studies that we do host through the website so they could sign on and they we would go through restore part 1 in the as a group okay. so they would come and sign on and we'd go through the videos and you know have content and list uh talk and discuss or it could be hosted at a parish even okay. in like a six week process or a weekend retreat
2: so. Great. Oh, great so once again that website is restore catholic and we will have that in our show notes as well so we have so much appreciated having you guys today awesome. it's been so much fun and like i said we heard you speak and we just wanted you for our own so we're so thankful that we got you um and we do ask all of our guests if they'd be willing to say a prayer for our listeners as we close out would you guys be willing to do that
4: sure absolutely i'd Really love this prayer for families. That was written by Pope St. John Paul II. So if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and pray that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen. Thank you again, Sarah and Patrick, and thank you listeners for being with us here in the Family Room. Join us again here next week where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families.
0: Thanks for hanging out with us in the Family Room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.